We hate that. You already know who it is. It's the radioactive pop with Danny Limelight. United Wrestling Network, World Heavyweight Champion. And make sure you tune into the Alliance Vlog every week. You heard it here first. Straight with Bobby. Can you believe that there are some people in this world that did not tune in to the Alliance Vlog Podcast? Shame on you! Shame on you! My name is Ella Indy and I'm one half of the NWA Women's World Tag Team Champion. And I'm Kitty Page, the other half of the NWA World Women's Tag Team Champion. And you better go listen to the Alliance Vlog, what is it called? The podcast, period! You're ugly. Period. You don't power approved. Hey guys, check this out. I am officially now sponsored by Dubby. Dubby is a clean energy drink made to give you focus with no crash. If you guys are like me, you're always needing a burst of energy, especially with one with no crash. Dubby contains vitamins, amino acids, a nootropic, and 150 milligrams of caffeine. It keeps me awake with no jitters, guys. Check it out. Merch link is in the bio. Dubby. Are you ready? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys Podcast, with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Alliance Guys Podcast, a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and my pals here with me are Mr. DKM. And N W uh what? N W A. Is that the Canadian N-W-A. translation? That's how the uh, L N Z and um, Kenzie Page say it. If you listen to the promo, gonna have to listen to that promo again. DKM, how are you, sir? I'm alive. Mister Jaden, how are you today? I'm dead. <laughs> It's funny. I, I'm feeling a little run down myself. Um, maybe it's something in the water. I don't know. But uh, this is the Alliance Guys podcast, and that's why uh, you should consider trying Dubby. I, I just 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 poured it a minute ago, and woo, brother! I'm alive. Let's go. <laughs> I love DKM's face. He's just so angry. That's his. What do you mean? That's DK smile. <laughs> He's like, that was funny. Uh, so, so uh, what do you think about this NWA Australia stuff, huh? How about it, huh? Never Let's put some shame on the Bobby. Tommy Kangaroo down, Spolt. Oh, great. I broke the station. What was that? <laughs> Just out of curiosity, what's this group called again? Southern Six. And who's in it? Well, as revealed on uh, Tuesday night's episode of 
power. We were introduced to the newest members of the Southern Six in Alex Taylor and Silas Mason, as well as your world junior heavyweight champion, Kerry Morton. Isn't that three? Don't you remember when the New World Order came out in WCW and they said that there was one guy and two guy and then there was the third guy? Come on, this is just... They're, what I will say this, man, and I'm going to take a few steps back here. I was very excited about the prospect of the Southern Six coming to the uh, state side. Uh, I thought maybe it just might be a one-off just for that Australian tour, just a way for the gentlemen and ladies to bond while on the road. Uh, you know, we talked about it a lot on this podcast as well as the pre-party where we would mention uh, that, that that the Southern Six uh, seemingly was a bond of this young talent that could carry the NWA forward. Uh, you know, they went so far as a few of them even got the number six tattooed on their body, uh, just showing you how much this uh, this this moment this moment in time meant to them. Um, you know, Sean Waltman is from Florida, so I guess he would be a Southern Six. There, there, there you go. Um, so when, when, when they. When all this happened in Australia, where a lot of you know me, and I think to, to a lesser extent you guys, no one was sure if the Australian footage was actually going to have any kind of U.S. air date. Uh, from everything that we saw from camera footage that was available, it looked like the only people who were filming it were filming with their cell phones. So uh, it, it was a pleasant surprise to see uh, anything from Australia, let alone them kind of digging into this uh, Southern Six. And even more so, I, I think they they knew a while ago that they were going to go with this group, uh, I think, prior to the Crockett Cup, because, you know, night one, after unsuccessfully challenging for the national championship, Silas Mason stepped over, you know, uh, Poil Damar, and on night two, he's coming out to the ring with Alex Taylor, his tag team partner from Australia. And I feel like they were getting us ready. They were identifying it. They were planting seeds like, hey, we just want you guys to get used to seeing Taylor and, and, and Mason together because this is a new thing that we're going to be trotting out there. Well, didn't they use the term even? Yes. I mean, you know, the Southern, Southern Six. Well, they didn't. They didn't mention Southern Six at Crockett Cup, at least as far as sure? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't. I, I don't I remember. Have, I, I may have assumed it, but they did mention something about the group in Australia. So, huh? I might have missed it. Um, Does anybody remember? Anyone in the, there? Anyone in the what? chat? If, if you guys feel free to jump in if you uh, if you know. I want to say what's up to Vincent Verb X Patterson. We just call him Vince in the chat. Uh, haven't seen you on in a while, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here tonight. Of course, our buddy Luthez is here. Willie Bowen's in the house. Championship Wrestling from Jeremy's here. Uh, you know, we got a good group, and uh, the audience is growing. I, I see the numbers in the side here. So uh, if you guys have anything you want to jump in and, and talk about, please share it in the chat. We'll uh, be happy to address and speak on these things. Uh, our pal Vince said uh, uh, Sean Waltman is from Minnesota, but he lives in Florida now. Yes. <laughs> he was part of that whole, like, uh, that Minnesota, 
it's funny how many good talented wrestlers came from Minnesota. I mean, Mr. Perfect, I believe Rick Rude was also from Minnesota. I think originally Rick Flair was from Minnesota. Although someone can correct me on that one. Uh, a lot of talent came out of Minnesota. Uh, didn't isn't that originally where Brock Lesnar was from? Who? Bork Lesnar. Never heard of him. <laughs> Uh, you're no-selling me, and Jaden's got his mic muted, so I don't even know if he's even trying to talk. It's Jaden. Sen- senility finally caught up with you? Possibly. You're going on vacation next week, so you're just in vacation mode, aren't you? Yep. It's not, uh, that, I don't, it's not that I don't care, but I don't. <laughs> Jesus. That isn't a determining factor. It's just, unfortunately, the truth. He doesn't care. I mean, that's fair. Right. So, um... And yes, by the way, Brock Lesnar went to the... He went to the University of Minnesota. I don't know where he's actually actually from, but... Our pal Jeremy says, Can we talk about Carrie's absolute horrible pelvis grinding? Great heel work. Terrible grinding. And I'm wondering if this is what he... <laughs> Was the grinding the terrible grinding that Jeremy was uh, bringing up? Pretty sure he was humping the belt. Hey man, you know when I was twenty, how old is he? Twenty five, twenty two. Oh no, that's too far back for me to remember. I was humping other things than belts. Um, Willie Bowen says, "I feel that Tyrus Mm -hmm. being world heavyweight champion, he has avoided Knox, Odinson, Jack Stane, and Blake Bulletproof Troop." He's the worst NWA world cha- world heavyweight champion. You could make that argument. It, there has been a severe lack of challengers to emerge to challenge uh, Mr. Tyrus. I mean, let's see. So he won the title back in November. We were there, DK. You remember? We were there. Uh, I've, I've tried to blot it from my mind. Well, you, good luck. It hasn't happened. But he uh, won the title at the uh, Hard Times 3 in, in Shamlet, uh, Louisiana, and uh, did not uh, did not defend that title until, uh, when was it, the tapings in Florida? Or was it the live show? Now I don't know. I don't remember. I'll pull it up. We'll talk about it. That's a good, good uh, point of topic. I don't remember who was first. Who was his first uh, title defense? His first title defense uh, was as World Heavyweight Champion. Um, he defended. He, um, he defended against Matt Cardona and uh, beat Matt it Cardona. Was, it was the first one-on-one chance for Cardona. Yeah, and that was shortly after. That was uh, at Nuff said. So, someone tell me again how Matt Cardona. Cardona would be great. I mean, I don't remember that. And I'm not joking. I honestly cannot remember it. Say that again. 
you remember everybody was talking about how you know Cardona, Cardona and name value and everything like that. Yeah. What a great thing it would be. He's like, and I don't remember that he was the first challenger for Tyrus. I go, this isn't a work or character or anything. I mean, I honestly do not remember. I really feel like the momentum that Cardona had prior to the injury really kind of fizzled out. And then it, it almost felt like he was doing all this. In, I don't even want to call it innovative. He was doing interesting things with, uh, with game changer wrestling and a few of the other indies that by the time this stuff was happening in the NWA it was already old news. Like, uh, you know, this whole, he was, he had that death match with Bubba Ray Dudley. And I almost felt like they were going to start working towards that in the NWA. It's like, wait, guys, stop. They already did this. What's the point of showing like rehashing a gimmick, a match that's already been done elsewhere? You know, it's, it's, uh, wait, 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 wait. You're saying Billy Corgan (laughs) rehashed angles and matches and stuff that's been done in other promotions? No. Well, what I'm saying is uh, I think that they were working towards that. It never came to fruition. Uh, but, yeah, so going back to Tyrus's title defenses, he defended against Cardona at Nuff Said in Tampa, Florida. The next night at the TV tapings, he defended against Rolando Freeman. And then in April, or excuse me, in March, uh, he would defend against Daga in, uh, in, in uh, Mexico City. And then in April, he would defend against Chris Adonis. And then he wouldn't defend that title. Uh, he still hasn't defended that title since. So uh, you could celebrate his um, huge uh, list of accomplishments as world's heavyweight champion with victories over Cardona, Rolando, Daga, and Adonis. So and that, he's held the title since November of last year. One guy who's leaving, or, or one guy who left pretty quick after he lost. Yep. One guy who's a joke. Yep. Uh, one guy who isn't part of the NWA and injured himself five minutes into the match. And oh, not, not five minutes into the match, but yeah. That was a freak accident. I don't blame Dogger for that, by the way. Well, and I'm just saying, though, if you're... If we're looking for quality matches, I mean, the official time on the Daga match is four minutes and 57 seconds. So, he must have injured himself rather quickly. All right. Don't mind me. I'm just trying to make the best I can. I mean, you were there. You would know more. I'm just, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't look like it was a long match. Uh, you know, if if that's what they say, I'm I'm sure it's pretty accurate. But I don't recall it. It didn't feel like a quick match. There was a lot of hullabaloo going on. You know, uh, a lot of showmanship. You know, that's I mean, kind of what Tyrus has to do is kind of play up to the crowd when he can. Daga was a heel. Daga was definitely the heel in that uh, instance. He even cut a a nice heel promo before the show or uh, after the first show. Um, not after the first show, as part of the first show, he came out and cut a promo. Obviously, it was in Spanish. And although I've been studying with Duolingo, uh, I'm still not 100% uh, fluent yet in Spanish. So I, I, I can only pick out a few of the choice words, basically saying that he was ashamed to be from Mexico and stuff like that. Great. Way I've, to heard get- Duoling- I've heard of Duolingo. That's that. She's on Spotify and stuff, right? She's a musician. Um, you're thinking of Duo Lipa, I think, or something like that. Don't ask me to know popular music because I just don't. 
Don't you dance to them on TikTok? No, man. I go back old school, and we, uh, in, in my house, it's it's nineties grunge or nothing at all. So nothing. You to listen. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Did you listen to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins? I said grunge music. How dare you? He sir? likes to consider himself grunge, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, look. <laughs> This could go a whole different direction. I don't think Smashing Pumpkins is grunge music as somebody who considers themselves a connoisseur. I feel like, yes, they were 90s alternative rock, and some of their songs are actually pretty good, but I, I would never consider them grunge music in the same way that I consider like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, you know, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, uh, Mother Love Bone. Uh, <laughs> If you're kind of sore, why don't you get some turmeric? Soundgarden. Good point. Anyway. Oh, my God. But anyway, the key to this is he hasn't defended the title since April 7th. <laughs> Mike is going to get us. Uh, Mike is going to get us demonetized for sure. Go, Mike. So, so April 7th. So, we're currently in the middle of June. So Not one title defense. So it's over two months. And heading towards July. And I haven't heard of anything. They haven't put anything up as a upcoming title defense. And then even like uh like today and, and yesterday, the NWA has been um uh each each of the talents have kind of been responsible for um putting out uh, their own kind of press release that they're going to be a part of the show. Like if just a graphic, you know, I've seen it from fodder and Angelina love. I've seen it from Joe Galley. I've seen it from, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mecca Wolf and Bastia, our tag team champions. Uh, just a simple graphic saying, Hey, we're going to be there at, uh, you know, at Highland park for these TV tapings, a very simple graphic, but we have not yet to see one for the world's heavyweight champion. To his uh, to his his credit, he's big enough. He's probably there and here at the same time. <sighs> Real quick, I'm going to pissed off Willie. <laughs> I'm going to go some, some of the uh, comments in the chat. Uh, Luther says Aldis and Drake should have traded the belt a couple times by now. If some bald guy had a clue, yeah. I mean, look, uh, going back to that first season of power, we knew that Eli Drake, even if you hadn't seen him before in impact or, or were aware of him from his time in championship wrestling from Hollywood, you knew he was something special. The fact that they put him in the corner and had him tag team with James storm and, and put the tag titles on him meant that they knew what they had in him. They just did not want to put him in a match with Aldis because uh, you know, in my opinion, I think, Billy could see the writing on the wall and he could see that Eli Drake would have been over way more than Nick Aldis had they put those two face to face. And it wasn't like, I don't think uh, that Eli Drake is so much better of a wrestler than Nick Aldis. I don't think he's so much better of a, a promo than Nick Aldis, but I feel like what, uh, what he had going for him is that uh, the crowd really got behind him. And I feel like uh, that 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 momentum could have carried the shift from Aldis to Drake very easily. Do you either of you disagree with me on that? I try to disagree with you as often as possible, but in this well, I'm wrong. yeah, but in this particular case, I mean, 
I feel like at first they were kind of saving it to be like a, you know, where basically uh, Drake would have been in the Murdoch role. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But then I think they, you know, then, you know, again, nobody's fault, but the pandemic kind of killed round one. Yeah, it definitely did. No doubt about it. I also feel like, I also feel like the loss of Lagana kind of killed some things that they had. In, okay. And uh, then you uh, then you throw in there that WWE got interested in him again, again, all kind of out of nowhere. You know, he had tried out for WWE and been part of their developmental and never really made on TV and they really said he wasn't a hard worker and when they let I, him go they they kind of disparaged him when they let him go I I have heard from multiple people especially when it comes to Drake he was referred to as his own worst enemy and it's it's so weird to hear that and what I see like you know I don't watch I, I don't watch WWE programming with the exception of maybe WrestleMania and and maybe the Royal Rumble Every now and then I'll jump on and watch one of the pay-per-views because I, I have the Peacock. Premium network. live event. Thank you. The premium live events. But when you see, like, I see clips and I saw Eli Drake uh, addressing uh, the uh, Logan Paul uh, as he's walking to the ring. And you're like, holy crap, man. Where's this guy been? He's so electric on the mic. And, and I know the comparisons to The Rock and whatever. But as somebody that's watched Eli Drake's uh, career met you know, match rate since about 2000, I want to say uh, 12, almost uh, over 10 years now. Uh, that's just him. And he's finally getting an opportunity to to be where he should be. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's a huge lost opportunity that the NWA didn't, didn't maximize that when he was there. Hindsight being 2020 and in a dream booking scenario, I would have actually put all this with Drake and um adonis especially after adonis got a little bit better into ring shape he really started to be i think an important piece of the nwa and i would have feuded them with james storm and trevor murdoch and maybe somebody else and really really built to the point where eventually aldis turned against drake like he kind of did i think you're kind of misremembering it because uh that's how i would book it Okay, Adonis. Adonis showed up after the pandemic pause. Um, you're thinking of strictly business, which was uh, which was uh, Tom Latimer in the group with Royce Isaacs. And I agree, like Eli Drake could have been slotted right into that group. He could have, you know, been the challenger for the national title. You know, uh, before you know before they uh, invented the TV title. I just think they could have built it up to then. Over time, the feud would have been going, and then we could have had something great with with um, James Storm and Trevor Murdoch. Because obviously, anybody who saw Murdoch, you know, there's something. Once his fire got relit, there was something there. And I would have really had, I would have really had a whole strong set of challengers constantly going, and then eventually, when the the thing does happen, a baby face. Drake against a heel Aldous, I think would have been money. Or 
even as weird as it sounds, if he could have done it right, a, a baby face Aldis and a heel Drake. One or the other. Either way, I think that could have really brought the NWA to another level. Again, with the pandemic, with the loss of Lagana, with uh, other variables like the signing of Drake to the WWE. That never happened and it never could have. But I love a what-if scenario. And it's so much funny how I do remember when we were getting mad at Lagana for stupid things and now... We wish he was. We wish he was here, and maybe not even his fault for the stupid things that happened. Well, yeah, and and you know what? <laughs> it's funny that you said it because, like, I remember thinking about like it, and, and like, look, I'll be honest. I I I don't talk to Lagana every day. I don't talk to him every month. Every now and then, I'll message him or he'll message me, and and it's uh, mostly benign stuff. But um, one of the things that you know. One of the things that he made clear that uh, David Marquez also echoed the same thing was that, uh, you know, all of the all of the booking ideas and everything that we liked about the NWA, even going back to when Lagana and Marquez were there, were still Billy ideas. However, they had the opportunity to be filtered by people who've been in the business for a little bit longer time, who had the ability to tell stories a little bit differently, how to make things make sense to a a bigger audience. So you had a filter between Billy Corgan and then the audience for power, which I don't believe they have at this point anymore. I mean, clearly they don't because some of the stuff that uh, universally is disliked by the fan base, you know, they still, they still keep moving forward with it. Uh, For example, besides Tyrus, right? I mean, I think we've all said that the performer under the mask is very entertaining but uh, gags the gimp is not something that I really want to watch on my television. Um, I think that that's something that we've said more than once. But uh, you know, it still it still happens. We still get a character like that. And there's so you know, like the whole Velvet After Dark thing. You know, the, I'm not saying that Lagana was free of bad ideas. I mean, does anyone remember kayfabe cocktails? I, that that was in poor taste, especially uh, what happened uh, during the pandemic. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I would take I would take Lagana back in a heartbeat if, if it were up to me. Well, I mean, the problem is so much has changed. I've heard similar things to what you're saying, but I think the biggest difference was Billy was kind of an idea man who left the execution to those who knew more. Yeah, and it sounds like as time has gone on, he's not only become the idea man, but he's also become the executor the, of the NWA. Well, yeah, I mean, the, there are other people there, and I think you see some of the influences, like in the women's division, you know, with like Camille and the fact that they all. They often have the show stealer match. Yeah. But uh, I think when it comes to like the men's thing, it's like, yeah, he's, he's more involved than he ever was before, you know? And uh, he, he's not necessarily leaving it to others to, you know, smooth it through or whatever. I think he's, I think he's kind of deciding, well, I want this. And I think that's why we see some of the 
even weird drastic switches you know that we sometimes see where it looks like they're going one direction then all of a sudden they're not yeah uh, i think that's because he just kind of changes his mind and flips the direction so you know yeah. and don't get me wrong look i chatted with Logan a little bit not a lot but a little bit while he was there and the guy had a chip on his shoulder the size of, you know, Mount Everest. But it's like when he left, Billy never knocked the chip off Billy's shoulder. He just added Lagana's chip. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Lagana liked me. <laughs> Partially association, but I don't think he liked me. I. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, yes. And we talked about this a little bit with uh, with uh, our pal um, Barrett Brown when the NWA transitioned from the light the uh, International Wrestling Corporation LLC to the Lightning One era. Um, there was a lot of resistance from the former members, which was ridiculous in and of itself because it's like uh, you guys were licensees; you were never owners. And you know, the minute that Bruce Tharp took control of the NWA. The whole membership idea was abandoned. And people don't remember that. People don't uh, acknowledge that. But as soon as Tharp's uh, little fingers were on the the brand, the whole idea eight, of them. Nine, eight, seven, six. I, I wasn't looking at the camera. I was looking at something else. Um, <laughs> so the screen is here, right? Like my screen is to the right of me and the camera straight ahead like this. So I don't always look at the camera on the, the screen. That's why you see me sometimes talk to the camera like this. But anyways. Um, but yeah, so there was a big transition and there was a lot of resistance. And I think had had the the members that were licensee, the licensors of the NWA, had they been more welcoming to the new ownership, who knows what could have happened? You know, I mean, Barrett Brown. Uh, did everything they asked him to do and, and still kind of got hosed in the end. So so maybe, you know, uh, Mustang Mike was right. Maybe Cahagas was right. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, uh, Damian Wayne was right. Maybe all those guys were right to be uh, reluctant to work with the new NWA because it didn't do Barrett Brown any favors. I, I would be – I'll be interested to hear more of the story when he reveals whatever more he has to say because of – uh, I'm wondering more who was actually making the promises. And th this is where we're going to get the idea of, I think Billy had a concept. Oh, sure. You know, as long as you're good and you're nice, whatever. But remember, it was Lagana that went out and talked bad about too many titles. Yeah. And how he didn't want to bring in anything. And he, what do you call it? The German, the Missouri, the Italian, the uh, oh, yeah. Southern Italian Junior Heavyweight Championship or something like that. Right. And so it was, so, you know, he was very opposed to it. And I've always got, I've always had the feeling based on conversations I've had with some wrestlers that Lagana was more, you know, maybe Billy would say, yeah, you know, we'll treat you good or whatever. But like a lot of the, title decisions that were made were made by Lagana was kind of the one out saying, hey, you know, 
play nice and we'll be with you. And look, you know, we brought Jazz back and, you know. Well, and and, and just kind of going off of that too, like uh, the promises, yeah. I, I mean, look, I don't know if he's going to address it, but yeah, of course that promise was made by Dave Lagana. Uh, you know, Barrett Brown jumped on the This Is Pro Wrestling podcast, or I guess they call it the NWA live stream, whatever they call it these days with Gary Horn and, and, uh, and Joe Galley and Danny deals and, uh, Kyle Davis. Uh, I, I, I don't always tune into it, but I happened to be watching it on, on Monday because I saw that Barrett Brown was going to jump in and I'll be honest, man, the way that Kyle Davis was talking seemed very disrespectful to Barrett Brown. And he kept saying like, and it, it was interesting because his microphone just happened to be louder than everybody else's this time. And he's like, who, who did he get this agreement with? That's what I want to know. And it's like, look, Kyle, that agreement was made before you were even working with the NWA. And I get that you don't understand it, but like, you can't, you can't just devalue it either. Like, let's be like, if we're just putting everything on the table, Barrett Brown did exactly what was asked of him. The NWA should have had him at the uh, the initial TV tapings. They they used him at the 70th anniversary show, and maybe that was all that they were ever going to do for him. But they should have had him at, at the power tapings. I mean, you had other Cruiser Junior heavyweights at that power taping, and, and if you promised him a spot, like, he should have been there. You know, Caleb Conley was there. Caleb Conley's great. Don't nothing. I'm not taking anything away from him, but Barrett Brown could have been there. Yeah, he could have been. Look, I know from conversations with Lagana that there were promises that were made in general. Now, I never heard any of the specifics. Yeah. But I know, I know from Lagana that there was basically a, they told everybody, you know, we're going to focus on the world title. Everybody else send in your belts, and basically, if you play nice, when we reestablish these titles, you know, you'll be the one. And one person refused to turn the title in. And another sent the wrong belt. Not. Unintentionally. No, no. It, it, one person had two belts in their possession and they returned the older one and not the newer one. And that sounds were, like a that's a that's a monstrous thing to do. Uh yeah. And uh there were some other things that kind of that were kind of going on. Uh you know, the tag team champions at the time, the Heat Seekers, who've been on the Crockett Cup. Yeah. They both, I mean, like, I think at first they were, they still claimed to, they were defending the title. And, uh, and then they get you. Then they went to Impact, and when they went to Impact, they, you know, were basically brought in this enhancement talent. So there was, so there was some stuff. There was some stuff there, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
the problem with wrestling is like when you have what's his name out there talking on the thing, like I said, almost being disrespectful. What you don't know is you don't know how much is work and how much is Ring Green gets a shoot, brother. Yeah, so and how much is a work shoot, as the old saying goes. So I'm hearing something in the background. Jaden, do you hear it? Yeah, it's a little bit of static. You're hearing static? Kind of like a reverberation. Remember like when the old days when your telephone would ring and before it would ring, you'd hear it on the TV? Yeah. That's what it's kind of sounding like. My microphone is away from everything, so I'm not sure what's going on. I don't hear it anymore right now anyway, so that's yeah. good. All right. Wait, did you hear it when... Do you hear it now? No. Okay. Well, then I don't know. Yes. Uh, you hear it now? Is I heard that... it when you moved closer to the mic to the uh, screen. Son of a biscuit! I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I, we 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 could go back in time and, and think about it all we want, but at the end of the day, like it, we're we're not getting Lagana back, and and unfortunately, we're not getting Jim Cornette back, and unfortunately, we're not getting Eli Drake back or Roy Sisex or anybody else that. Uh, Helped grow the brand. Uh, Dave Scooby says maybe it was the new wrestler White Noise. Yeah, that's uh, that's the uh, the name that they might be going with with the uh, Nega Scion, the uh, the uh, Scion doppelganger. They might be calling him White Noise, and I think that's a little bit tone deaf to be quite honest with you because he's wearing a black mask. That's racist, Jay. No, wearing a black mask and calling yourself White Noise, I think is doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Let's say Dorado doesn't wear any gold anymore. Well, that's his fault, man. That's gimmick and uh, gimmick uh, unfulfillment. I just work here on Tuesdays. Actually, Thursdays. It's Thursdays that you do the job. But I only work Wait. on Tuesdays. Oh, no. Um, so, anyways, uh, let's look at a little uh some of the things that are coming up for the nwa we we talked about this on power but i'd love to hear what your guys's takes are on this of course um you know barrett brown has an opportunity tomorrow night to challenge for that world junior heavyweight championship if you guys didn't hear it uh last week he was on our podcast you could listen to it um he talks about uh the opportunities that are presenting itself currently and and the things that he could potentially do if he becomes the world junior heavyweight champion which also includes potentially bringing that junior heavyweight championship back to japan and, and uh, the other thing too uh what we we're speculating with that world junior heavyweight championship the the connection that it seems to have with japan and every few years uh we'll go to new japan pro wrestling i mean going back all the way even before 1996 when it was part of the uh the j crown but uh you know, uh, 2004, or excuse me, uh, 2006 with Rocky Romero, uh, in two, uh, 2012 with uh, 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 Steve Anthony and um, Chase Owens, and of course, uh, uh, who else was there that won the uh, title? Jushin, Liger, Jushin Thunder Liger won the title, but it, it, it had always kind of had this back and forth with uh, going to Japan, so maybe... Maybe that could happen if uh, Barrett Brown wins, but uh, he has. You forgot, you forgot about multiple versions of um, Tiger Mask. Oh, that's true, and and a great classic. Technically, took the title to Japan. Left it there. 
<laughs> I'm glad you guys both got that one. I'm so glad. Uh, so but yeah, you, man, just for you. I appreciate. You that. know, he left it there. You know, glad I'm not doing um, the you know counter right now. You, maybe you should. The world right junior going to start saying that the rest of the night. The world right junior now heavy- tonight, <laughs> brother. The world junior heavyweight champion, regardless of whether it be Barrett Brown or Kerry uh, Morton, is set to, to be defended on July eighth against Mo Jabari, which contradicts the date that they have in Chicago for the uh, the um, fundraiser for uh, Cooper. Um, the benefit for Cooper, the Highland Park benefit for Cooper, uh, who was one of the victims of the shooting uh, last year during the 4th of July. Uh, real terrible story. Uh, the, the young boy uh, was shot and has uh, a very increasing medical expenses that hopefully, uh, you know, I, I believe the show itself is a free show, but they're taking donations on behalf of Cooper for that event. So hopefully, uh, People will be feeling charitable that afternoon. And then on the ninth, they have uh, two back-to-back TV tapings, which is where they're going to start laying down the foundation for the 75th anniversary show. On the 15th, Camille's going back to Mexico. She's taking Natalia Markova with her and also SoCal uh, wrestling standout Viva Van. And they'll be heading to AAA uh, to compete at the, uh, at the uh, Triple Mania in Tijuana. Your boy Jay is thinking about going, but probably not. Uh, then, of course, on the 19th, you've got Boca versus the World. Boca Raton Championship Wrestling taking on the NWA. We've got a card. We'll go over that in a little bit. Uh, then of the World Junior Heavyweight Champion uh, on the 22nd has a match in Canada against Vertigo. Uh, that's in Ontario, Canada. Uh, the Smashing Pumpkins start their um, World as a Vampire U.S. dates in the end of July on the 28th and on the 30th in Las Vegas. And then uh, uh, our women's world champion, Camille, defends on the 28th in Chicago against Saraya Knight. We have on the 29th, the Love Alive charity, which has been traditionally the Pope's, well, it is the Pope's charity. And he has in the past featured a lot of talents from the NWA. We know that Mims is set to be a part of the Love Alive charity on the 29th, as well as Jamie Stanley. And then, of course, uh, that takes us all the way to August when the World is a Vampire Tour really kicks off. So the the rest of July is is pretty busy for the NWA. What do you think about that, DKM? Is this this a sign of of a positive movement for the NWA, or would they be better off doing uh, regular taping schedules? Yes to both. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you can go out there, get out there, have feature more talent. I mean, this it's not going to sound polite, but I mean this blindly. Uh, make yourself look bigger than you really are. You know, Jay and I try to make ourselves look smaller than we really are. But <laughs> that's why I always wear black. <laughs> what are you talking about? But uh, yeah, you know, for the NWA, make yourself look like a bigger promotion than you probably really are on the world scene. I think that's a good scene. I think that's a good thing, but they really need to get steady with their with their uh, TV tapings, so that they can. I mean, we just finished a pay per view, and we're basically 
spent two weeks or so showing the pay-per-view for free. And then, not all, of course, but, you know, parts of it. And then now they're showing the Australia stuff that was taped before the (laughs) pay-per-view. And, you know. Maybe they'll keep going in reverse and we'll eventually get wrestling from the 1980s. Maybe. I'd watch that. Don't hold your breath. And so the point is all this is preventing even the start of the build to the next pay-per-view. And not just the start of the build to the next pay-per-view, but any story kind of movement. Because until they do the taping, we don't really know what the next step is with Silas and Poyo. Until they get to the next taping, we don't really know what's going on with uh, the Southern Six group. Which... You said Carrie Morton, Silas. Alex Taylor. Alex Taylor is the one I can't remember. And then if I remember correctly, the last member was end up being Kenzie Page, right? Yes. And then uh so you know, how does this imp it is she still a part of it? Is she not? How does this impact the concept of the of the pretty empowered and what do we do with her sister and yeah and and that's where they're gonna have to get creative with the editing um as and we'll get more into uh the australian show in a little bit but i was looking at the um measuring the results from each show because there was uh, 10 nights of television tapings over the course of 15 days excuse me not television tapings uh live wrestling at these events um, this was day five of the tour. Uh, this show was day, uh, day five of the world is a vampire, um, with, uh, uh, Aisha, you know, we'll get into the results later, but, uh, uh basically that was the fifth, um, night of these tapings. So either they didn't have good enough footage to show early on, or they're intentionally leaving some stuff out so that it could it can craft the story. I mean, look with creative editing, they could really uh, put more into the Southern six than what they originally intended. Um, sorry. I, I'm kind of, I lost my train of thought. So right. and, and what was the joke? The two silent, the two is silent. Yeah. The Southern six, the two is silent. Who's frozen here, Jay? You, you froze on my end. You froze on my hands. <laughs> get your chocolate out of my peanut butter. But I didn't get the spinny thing that I normally get when it's your fault. Oh, okay. Or when it's my fault. Excuse me. All right. Um. So. So that we, what we were saying is is it being busier now better for the NWA? You said it makes it look bigger, which I hundred percent agree with. Um. But then the TV tapings, I think, are another issue altogether because um, similarly, uh, they didn't have ample time to do TV tapings um, at uh, the 312 pay-per-view, right? Like they taped uh, two days after the pay-per-view. Um, they got a lot of footage ready for Crockett Cup, but even then there was, you know, they missed out on a few things and they had to uh, 
uh, kind of scissor in the footage from Mexico City. And then this, you know, what we got two weeks of recap from the Crockett Cup. And then they're slowly putting in the Australian footage. Look, if this was the fifth week or the fifth uh, tape, the fifth show on that tour, um, there's five more shows after this. They could, I guess, basically parse it out until uh, the middle of July. But I mean, that's that's still a, a week away before the or two weeks away before the tapings even happen. Yeah, and basically what it is, they lose momentum for everything they do. So, you know, right now we're in this interesting situation, but there's no momentum for it. Yeah. And and I've known they've done, I understand Crockett Cup was two days in, of itself and already packed with wrestling. But I think I almost wouldn't have done a done a pre-show. I think I just would have taken those opportunities to tape some stuff for the show. Well, and those were such long pre-shows too. I mean, they were like an hour and a half. That was the first one. Yeah, let me let me look at, and I'm going to pull it up right now. You would think, uh, under the circumstances, that some of those they could have had matches. And not even like called them Crockett Cup matches on commentary. You know, they could have just called them. Uh, uh, let me see here. You know, they could have called them anything. To be honest, uh, the last so the the Crockett Cup night two was fifty four minutes. Night one was an hour and a half. So, I mean, yes. you could have taken thirty minutes from that first one, and 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 filtered that through. You know. An episode of Power, just having matches, you know, half of the half of those matches could have been an episode of Power. Yeah, and of course, part of the reason on the first night was because they, excuse me, excuse me, uh, you never have the button where you need it at the moment. Sorry, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but. I guess what I was trying to say was that, you know, the first night they did like almost all the first round matches, you know, in the pre-show. Yeah. But then that to me, get back to what you're saying. They could have put those, they could have taped those at the end of the last power or whatever. Of course, you never know who you're going to get in and all that crap. Well, more than, more so than that, like, look, pacing is everything. They could have done things differently. Having an hour and a half for a pre-show seems a bit ridiculous. It's a pre-show. It should have been 30 minutes tops. Um, you, you're, you're, you're trying to give people a taste, not, not a full serving. And the fact of the matter is that then when you flip it around the next night or two nights later on power and you're showing uh, a, a recap from it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, Jaden, I know that you have a background not only in producing pro wrestling events, but also with uh, television and radio. I mean, you tell me, am I, am I crazy here or did they make the best business decision? No, I do not think they made the best business decision. Um, honestly, I don't think any one of those first round matches drew anybody to either order the pay-per-view or go to the pay-per-view itself. Uh, 
The only thing that I had interest in, I had two tag teams I had interested in. Uh, one was Santa Slaughter, and one was um, the um, why can't I think of their tag team name? The former NWA tag team champions. whose name just escaped. Midnight Heat. Not no. Midnight Heat. I'm sorry. Uh, the Heat Seekers. The Heat Seekers. Yeah, Midnight that was the only thing I had any kind of interest in whatsoever, and they both lost, and they were out. Yeah. So. Um, they could have used, should have just did one night of a crack cup and used the second night as our TV tape. I mean, and that, then we could have maybe seen something with Sent to Slaughter and Heat Seekers be something important, even have matches that mean something. Maybe the Heat Seekers getting a shot at the tag team champions or um, the new Crockett Cup champions taking on Sent to Slaughter, something like that. Our problem, Mike, agrees with you. Uh, the first bracket sucked terribly. It looked like a really bad indie tag tourney on its own. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say it looked like a bad indie tag tourney, but we could have done without some of those matches. And, and, or, you know, like, look, uh, maybe you put Silas Mason instead of that being a main event match on 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 uh, night one. Maybe that you, you push that to match that match to night number two. Or maybe you tape that match and use it on power. You know, like maybe take any non-tournament matches and use those on power. Uh, you know, I, I guess you'd have to be creative on how you edit it. You have to be creative on how it's presented. But uh, at the end of the day, like, I think it's a shame that they had to, that's how they had to resort to recapping power. But then I also get it too, because they're, now they're in a crunch to get content to get them to, the second week of July so that they have TV tapings to, to, to record. And I don't know, man, it just seems like such a mess. I think I don't, I don't consider poor logistics an excuse to me. Honestly, that's just poor logistics. That's poor planning. And I agree with that. And that's, and that's completely fair. I think when we see Dave Marquez and championship wrestling from Hollywood, Derby city, Memphis, all all of those United Wrestling Network brands are able to tape monthly. Now I get it; their talent expenditures are much lower than perhaps you know the NWAs in terms of like. Look, I I love Danny Limelight. He's our world champion. He is not uh, a former WWE talent. He's not at the same level of popularity as as, as say Tyrus. But uh, you you know what I'm sure his booking is a lot cheaper than Tyrus's. But at the end of the day, if, if the NWA, whether it be Nashville uh, at the skyline studios, whether it be Chicago with their, with, with that studio, the Highland park studio, or, you know, working with Joe Kazana, I think they should be able to tape a monthly show and, and record content on a monthly basis and use that as the backbone of any program that they decide to do. And Power or USA could just be the gravy on top of, you know, it could, that could be your bonus content. Hey, quick question here. Yes, sir. This just came to me here. So let me get it, make sure I can get it formed right. Flush it out, brother. But for TV tapings, you mentioned uh, Joe Kasana. You also, you know, mentioned about being up in Chicago and stuff like that. Now, ultimately, when you're in a building, it doesn't make any difference if you're using, you know, the same talent or stuff like that. But does it subconsciously make a difference saying being 
in a major metropolitan area versus being in a more what's thought of rural area like Tennessee? Is is there is there any subconscious plus or minus? And I, and I don't have an answer. I don't even have my own thought on it yet. It's just something that when you're saying that those are two such different sites. I, I yeah. wonder. I wonder if it makes a difference because there's yes. a different fan base too. And perception-wise, it is a better aesthetic and a better presentation to come from a major city of some sort. Uh, everybody knows that there's no such thing as a cheap building in a major city. And a lot of major cities are union-run, at least up north. I don't know about down south. And a lot of those buildings that are out there, they're either older and historic-looking or nicer-looking. Not always. I mean, the arena looks fine now, but for years it looked like a dump. But still, there's a, there's a presentation and, a, and an ambiance that you get from being from a major city. That said, though, crowd-wise, I've always found those small rural cities to be much hotter. And that's generally why, if you ever noticed, when the syndicated television was recorded, it often, for I'm sorry, for the Jim Crockett promotions, it often was recorded in smaller locations that didn't get wrestling often and the fans were happy with what they saw and they exploded at everything so from sound point generally speaking and from the the audience those smaller locations often are more, more happy to see professional wrestling they're less jaded and you get more excitement out of that so you have to i mean chicago being the exception to both but um you have to have a happy medium i guess what you should do is honestly go to different places and see where you get receptions and where you get crowds. I mean, AEW was for a while was very only promoting places that they knew they could draw on. And unfortunately I think they milked that cow too many times and now it's run dry, but there's a lot of places. I think the NWA name still means something, even if they don't have a clue what the modern NWA is. And I think they could do TV tapings. Heck, if they wanted to do it bi-weekly, all they have to do is do a morning TV taping and do an evening event at a big city where they can draw. So, have a monthly event that they could do that's not put on television, that they could build toward on television, and have it seem like there's something always going on in between pay-per-views, and that paper... Because the reason that's special is because now if you have something going on in between pay-per-views, you can switch championships if something switches. You can have new things go on and adapt to things that have, may have happened or people who've got over organically. And the other advantage to it also is now that you're, you're promoting something's always going on, it doesn't feel like the only thing is important is the pay-per-view. By taking away that feeling, you actually kind of make your television feel less important. I think there's something to that. In fact, I think that's a really good idea. Um, I, I think I would still tape those matches, obviously, and maybe release them as a special or, or something else down the road. Uh, the thing I was going to say, and I'm, I'm about to step away from the camera for a minute. Um, if you look back in time, or not even looking back in time, look to right now what Dave Marquez is doing. He was in Port Wainimi, which is, for anyone who's paying attention, basically it's it's the middle of nowhere right? Uh, 
the Ocean View Pavilion. It's right by the beach. Nobody was going to that venue uh, like they should have. It was a free wrestling show, and he was lucky to get you know between 100 to 400 people. 400 when he had big, big uh, talent there. Uh, but most tapings drew about 100 people. They they're in Irvine now, and in the Irvine, they're going to the Irvine Improv. I don't know if you guys have ever been to one of the improv comedy clubs, but, uh, you know, there's a minimum that you have to, the ticket was like 10 bucks, but you have to spend like 20 bucks in food to have a seat. Uh, and that's the expectation for everybody. So it's a lot more expensive venture, but you look at those tapings in Irvine and the crowd is usually very reactive to what they're doing. Whereas in, in, in Port Wyneme, it was just, uh, you know, just something to do. But with then that being said, you know, if you've watched any of the, ter- the, uh, TV tapings in uh, Derby City Wrestling out in Kentucky. They've got a ton of people at those shows, and I, I do believe they have to pay for admission to those shows. So it, it, it's a trade-off. But I think if done the right way, uh, you know, you could you could make it work in either situation. You just have to do a better job of promoting the event. You know, like uh, I don't know what kind of advertising is happening in Highland Park right now. I don't know if, if there's a billboard up. I don't know if, uh, you know, if Billy's got local advertising or, or if they're paying for commercials on TV. Who knows? But I, I just feel like uh, if they're not, they should be. All right. I'll be right back. All right. Jay's gone. Let's like, talk oh, bad about him. There you go. Uh, what did you say, DK? I said, now we can talk about him the way we normally do. Oh, we both said the same thing. That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that brings up another question and understand when I'm asking these questions, cause I'm seeing some things like, yes, I know it's cheaper not to be in a major city that goes without saying, I'm just saying, are there advantages or aren't there advantages to certain things? And he brought up something else that I've noticed, which is, you know, he's talking about free shows and he goes, they didn't necessarily draw. And I've found, Throughout history, I mean, I remember when World Class was in its desperate last days and they stopped running Fort Worth. And so their Saturday night taping suddenly started happening on Saturday morning. They'd have the big show in Dallas on Friday night and then they'd take TV Saturday morning. And then that's what would air that night for championship sports. And it was a free show. I think later they had to start charging a dollar because of some kind of insurance reason. But, uh, you know, the free show didn't necessarily, you know, the first couple draw great, but after that, they don't necessarily draw that well. And, There's a perception and, and, and that why you feel like you're not really getting anything because it's free. First of all, you do feel often a lot of people have perception that they get what they pay for. So if they're paying for oh, yeah. something and they're not paying for anything, I guess I'm talking to myself right now, but <laughs> if you're not paying for anything and you get what you pay for, you know, then you, you really have nothing to complain about. But if you pay for something, you have an expectation that it being great. And if it is, then you feel like you got your money's worth. So there is a perception. It's oh, what I can't remember. I think it was the, I think it was when, I really believe it was when um, Bischoff did something with the with the WCW because they were giving away tickets real cheap and they weren't able to draw. And then when he started actually having something worth seeing, and he put he tripled the uh, the ticket prices, they drew really really well. 
So there is a perception that you get what you pay for. Uh, unfortunately, there's a there's a trade-off where if you do too much, nobody comes because they can't afford it. But how many people pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go to a WWE pay-per-view that they can sit home and watch on Peacock? You know, it's a perception when you're there. That's a perception. And those tickets are expensive. They're no longer $20, $30, $50 seats. They are in some cases, a thousand dollars for a seat in, in those locations and people pay them. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about that also, because AEW had some problem moving tickets to TV tapings and reportedly that like their front row for they've stopped doing house shows again which is good because their house shows didn't have any stars on them. They were, they were basically, you know, AEW dark and they were really dark. Nobody was seeing them. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't have top matches, top stars or anything on them. And so they were selling terrible, but they're saying how like up in Canada, they're in the same basic area. Four shows in two weeks or something. And they go, they got their front row tickets are like $225 American. And it's like, Which is about 400 Canadian, really. Yeah, something like that. And it's like, is this too much? You know, is this, it, you know, are they, they're not selling as many tickets? Are, are they charging too much? Are they playing too much one area? You know, one of the reasons that WWE can go out and sell lots of tickets is because, you know, they're in Dallas, Fort Worth twice a year at most. I mean, on average, maybe three times one year, maybe only once one year, you know? So, they're not here enough to burn out the market, so to speak. They, they just, they're just not any good. That's why, you know, ticket sales drop. <laughs> I like what Luthez uh, put in the chat. They should go to Iowa for the Thez uh, Tragos Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, I, I think stuff like that would work. You know, the, the whole uh, WrestleCade weekend, um, you know, the, that area specifically that North Carolina was such a stronghold for Jim Crockett promotions and to a greater extent, the NWA, I feel like doing stuff to coincide with like maybe a WrestleCade or doing stuff that coincide with a wrestling hall of fame uh, uh, weekend. Like, I think these are smart business decisions, but again, you know, on Billy's 20 year plan, uh, you know, he still has to do smashing pumpkin stuff <laughs> some, you know, a good chunk of the time too. Uh, that's where it gets difficult when you're, when you're one man and trying to do this all by yourself. I know he's got uh, people that are assisting him with things, but uh, I also know that he doesn't, he likes to be in control. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah, that's true. Also his former bandmates like to say that too. Yeah. Um, to go back to DK's point, though, if you give fans what they want and give them something that they want to pay to see, they'll pay to see it. 
Memphis drew pretty well in every Monday night in the Mid South Coliseum. Um, the Carolinas wrestled. Uh, I'm sorry, Jim Crockett Promotions wrestled around the Carolinas, where some of their dates were always at the same time. Like, and people paid to see it. Um, there was a event going on at the same time as Starcade that also wasn't in as big of a building, but they still sold out when it wasn't even in Starcade. Uh, the Jim Crockett promotion. So if you give somebody what they want to see, they'll go to see it. Uh, yeah, there is such thing as oversaturation. Yes, there is such thing as fatigue. But the best way to counteract fatigue is to constantly keep it exciting, but not to the point that you blow them out. And that's one problem a lot of wrestling promoters and and fans, unfortunately, nowadays want. They want to blow their load immediately and then... And then, you know, every single time and every single match in every single way. And then that's what they want right now. But reality with wrestling fans and with wrestling promotions, you give them just enough that they're happy with what they get, but not enough so they don't want more. Well, and again, let's look at the ticket price situation. In Fort Worth, you pay ten dollars to sit ringside which i think was like the first four rows and then basically eight dollars to sit anywhere else and it was assigned seating too uh so you know eight dollars a week that's what 36 32 dollars in a month if you went to you know average month of of uh for a week for for a month so it it wasn't cheap per se eight dollars was still eight dollars uh, you know you you get two meals at mcdonald's back then for that but uh on on the other hand it was priced in such a way that yeah i could keep coming back oh wait a minute what happened at the end of this thing what are they doing next week? Yeah, I can come back for that. I can spend eight dollars for that. Hey, I can take my, you know, if I'm a family of four, I can take my kids once a month to the to the wrestling matches. You know, I, I feel like a lot of that, I feel like a lot of that's lost now. And I blame Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Damn you, Bischoff. Well, and, and the reason I blame Bischoff. It's because he started the Monday Night War. Go back and watch one-hour Raws. They really weren't much more than your normal enhancement talent uh, one-hour wrestling shows where they would occasionally uh, do some kind of upset or do mid-carder versus mid-carder, you know, type thing. You know, that. I mean, how long did they milk the one, two, three kid pinning Razor Ramon without having <laughs> any other upset for right months. Hey, I gotta step away for a minute. Yeah. Um so I mean I'll just uh pull him out there. So yeah, I mean with with uh without laboring this point any further, like I, I think what we're all in agreement is uh they need, they need more TV. More... What's that? They need more TV, and they need to run more often. They need to better be better. 
I know the thing, it's a financial thing too, though. So, and there's a lot of work into running an event or a show, depending on how you want to do it. So, so, okay. A majority of the talent lives in Nashville, right? Like not just talent, but like, I think Joe Galley lives somewhere near Nashville, somewhere near Tennessee. Um, I know that Kyle Davis does not live super close, but you know, Greyhound gets you there. A short plane ride will get you there. If they did a monthly TV in Nashville and made it for the Nashville market, right? And then maybe like Dave Marquez try to syndicate that across the country. Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, gosh, I, I just feel like trying to do what they're doing right now isn't working. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Um, you kind of have to make sure you give them a product they want to see by doing something like that. Sure. But yeah, that's just it. But there's still, I don't necessarily even think of just going to Nashville. If you stay too long, unfortunately, um, TNA slash Impact got that problem where they stayed at their location so long that the fans that were going were the same fans and they were not enjoying what you wanted them to enjoy. They were just trying to take over the, the show all themselves and do what they wanted to do and sabotage and make it all about them. And that does happen when you nowadays if you stay in a location too long. Well, then what about, and I, again, this is, I guess this is up for any, but any location this could happen, but like, you know, Highland park or, or maybe rotate between Highland park and Nashville, you know, and do it every month. And uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, without con a consistent taping schedule and trying to do everything all at once. And I know like Billy has said on, on TV interview, wherever he can opportunity to do so that the NWA doesn't have to be what it was. It can be something different. I know that's what he's really big on, which kind of baffles me in and of itself. Like you, you spent all this money for a brand that had value because it was perceived a certain way. And now your expectation is to change the way people perceive it. Billy, that's like buying Taco Bell and serving chicken. Yeah. That's like buying McDonald's and selling. Well, I guess they did sell pizza once, but, and, and selling uh, smoothies, or I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess McDonald's is a bad example because they've tried everything, but still it's like, it's buying, trying to buy KFC and, and selling, um, what was that? Tacos. Talk. Well, yeah, I have a matter of chicken taco. <laughs> From KFC? That's what I'm saying. It's, huh? From KFC? Yeah. Can you imagine like the uh, in a in a tortilla or in a taco shell that crunched up uh, that uh, popcorn chicken, and then maybe some cheese, and then maybe some um, of their their summer hot barbecue sauce because that was the best barbecue sauce their summer barbecue. And then throw on maybe some uh, corn and mashed potatoes on it, maybe or something. I don't know. That sounds be pretty good. That's I bet you it'd be delicious. That's an abomination. I bet I... you'd be delicious. I got a culinary degree here, and you know I always know about good food, even if you, your stomach can't handle it. I I would not eat that. Uh, but I'm not a I'm not a KFC fan, anyways. All right, so let's let's. Uh, Didn't let's you used to work there though? That's why, right? You probably burned out. <laughs> Slinging too much chicken. So <laughs> so of course. We've got the uh, the big event uh, again with the proceeds going to uh, Cooper Robertson's family uh, on July eighth. I think this is a very uh, I, I really think this is a great idea for the NWA. I think it does so much 
good to create uh, community goodwill. Um, you know, e even if it's in small doses, I, I, I can't stress enough that the NWA needs as much goodwill as they could possibly get. So I feel like this is a very um, smart move for them. Although I, I hope that they tape it as well, because again, they're going to need as much content as they can get. Do you agree with that, Jane, or you think uh, you think they should just leave it uh, as the fundraiser? If they record it and don't promote it the afterwards as the fundraiser, then yeah, they're fine. But if they use it and they over publicize that it as a fundraiser, then that to me that's just you're just honestly just milking out the, uh, the positive in that without any you know. That's where you have to. It's a fine line. Yeah, um, I love the idea. They really should do it. If they're going to do it, they should do it live. Put it on somewhere live, and then wow. part of the proceeds go to the family. I mean, I'll buy it. That, that uh, you know what? See, why can't you have a position with the NWA? Because that's actually very smart. Hey guys, we're going to put this on fight. Hey guys, guess what? All the proceeds we earn from this show is going to go directly to his family. Beautiful. You know why? Because I wouldn't kiss Billy's butt and I'll tell him whatever and he wouldn't get along with me and I also really didn't like the Smashing Pumpkins that much even though I have to say Billy's new song is pretty is pretty um, it's pretty damn good it's it slaps as the kids say it slaps <laughs> no cap bet I do that to my kids all the time and they freaking love it um, but I freaking love it that they go dad and they roll their eyes in embarrassment yeah they're the oldest one loves it when I do the embarrassing things because she's at the age now where it doesn't affect her. The youngest one gets the easily most embarrassed because she's kind of a, uh, she's going to be the, the trendsetter. She's going to be like the cool kid in my family. And uh, then my, my middle one is uh, basically my mini me. I can do no wrong in her eyes. Um, so let's see. Uh, let's, 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 uh, talk more about the upcoming events uh we, we mentioned these things earlier but again the tv taping uh on the 9th for uh two separate tapings both two it's at two and six p.m uh then the big show with the boca raton i think this is going to be uh really interesting because we're getting um this i think is going to be filmed for tv it, it kind of reminds me uh when they did that show uh initially with um wildcat and they did they did another uh, show with a, with another promotion, and I guess that was Joe Kazana, uh, where they had like some of the talents from the local audience, uh, local area, blended with the NWA talents. But uh, that's what we're getting here, and some of the matches we're getting are, are you know these are some premium matches. You're going to have the Crockett Cup ch uh, tournament champions uh, Murnox taking on the Island Kings. This should be a big boy uh, battle right here. You've got Joe Alonzo challenging Ariel Levy. Maybe that's not the most exciting matchup. Uh, I know that both these guys, Daisy Kill and Jack Talos, I believe they're both in the uh, live in Florida. But Bull James, I know uh, Jane isn't a huge fan, and Gangrel will be teaming up to take them on. Uh, but then some of the more exciting matches I see on this card, you've got Odinson uh, challenging for the Boca Raton championship title. Lakay, who I don't know anything about, uh, and Odinson. And then, of course, this match always has me excited because you got Silas Mason. He's taking on Mark Long. It doesn't look like it's going to be a title match. Uh, and then, of course, um, the World Junior Heavyweight Champion will be on the line as he defends against Alan S2S Martinez. 
So, I mean, it's a pretty packed show, and you can see there's – oh, and I forgot this one, too. This one actually looks pretty good. It's a world television title match with Noah Kikoa taking on Tom Latimer. So that's like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches. I mean, that's two episodes of power if they choose to to, to run it that way. Um, DK, are there any matches on the Boca Raton show that look interesting to you? You're muted, by the way. Why did you tell no, me? but not more because I don't know who the Boca guys are. I mean, I can't. I mean, I guess the Islanders against Murnoch since that does look like a lot of <laughs> true. Uh, since it looks like, you know, that would be the big beefy men slapping meat, slapping meat type match. Does the event have to be over by five o'clock if it's in Boca? Uh, I think so because everyone needs to hit the uh, Denny's for the uh, moons over my hammy, I guess. Um, we also have, uh, of course, uh, I lost my train of thought. We have this week's power. Let's just get through that real quick, and and uh, we'll finish wrapping up the show. This was power. Yeah, power. That's what I was yeah. talking about. That's what I meant to talk about. Did I do something wrong? You look confused. <laughs> I was, I was making fun of the fact we haven't really had an episode of power. <laughs> Well, we, it's not it's not the genuine article. This is more like uh, you know, the NWA on the road, which again, I don't I don't hate this. In fact, I actually really enjoyed it because we got to see the NWA in a different environment. Um, I'm not I, I don't love uh, live mic uh, commentary, but Joe Galley and Kyle Davis did the best that they could under the circumstances. Uh, you know, they walked into a foreign market and unlike AAA in, in Mexico City, like these wrestlers, the 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 local talents aren't superstars. They're big names for pro wrestling. Slex and and uh, and Adam Brooks are both well known in Australia wrestling. But this isn't like AAA where these are nationally known wrestling wrestlers. These are independents. And when you bring in even lesser known talents from the NWA, like again, the the most exposed uh, group that was in in uh, Australia was uh, La Rebellion. And, and even to, to that extent, uh, it's not because they're super famous in Australia. It's, you know, you have to, you have to follow wrestling to know who they are, you, you know, follow American wrestling or, or Lucha Libre. So I thought this was kind of interesting, interesting dynamic. And it was a fun show. Um, we'll start off with, uh, I think, I think yeah, the, the match that kicked off the show was uh, the Southern Six, Alex Taylor through Billy Mason, taking on Caveman Ugg and the Bone Collector, Jake Taylor. Now, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a huge fan of either the Bone Collector or Jake Taylor, but it was a fun match. It was a serviceable match, and it introduced us to uh, the idea that Taylor and uh, Mason might become a more regular tag team. Uh, DK, did you enjoy this match, or did you have thoughts on it? I don't know that I enjoyed it, but I didn't hate it. I mean, I just kind of watched it and thought, all right. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that I liked about it, too, is that um, you have, again, these are veritable unknowns to the NWA audience. Uh, so 
we're seeing new talent. We're seeing new people. Even if we don't see these guys again on our televisions, it's it's something different. The environment looked very different. I mean, you had a freaking castle in the background. I thought that was kind of cool. There was a, a dummy in a night costume uh, who was trying to get the crowd going. So I felt that that was kind of cool too. Uh, but I, I but see I that like, might have been what killed it for me. <laughs> was the night? Yeah, and even like you know, uh, the caveman and stuff like that. To me, when you have what I call really silly gimmicks, you kind of got to. It starts you behind, and then you got to go somewhere to make up for it. And I'll even say that to the idea of thrillbilly. When I'm first hearing the term thrillbilly, I'm not thrilled. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he definitely won everybody over. But I, I hear what you're saying. Um, Here's the thing, though. It doesn't help. It's not as applicable in Australia and, and even a little bit more applicable in Mexico. But by touring around like this, you never know where you're going to find that diamond in the rough because that's exactly how they found Silas Mason. He was he was they didn't go out and find Silas Mason, Silas Mason. They lucked into him and same thing for Poyo. And the fact that they threw them together, not knowing what to do with them and it worked so well. You never know, um, you know, while you're out there, who you can find that could be the next thing. Um, you know, there's there's talent out there that is not being exposed right now on television that really, really, really should be. I don't think that's legal. Well, sure it is. Ever since Death Sipowitz and uh, LAPD Blue showed his booty, it's been legal to expose yourself on television. That was a callback. Jesus. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you notice it was always a man's butt that got showed for their nude scene. Well, yeah, that's Benny Hill as a child. Yeah, that exposed me, to, and that was on PBS. <laughs> uh, the uh, when you say like there could have been like diamonds in the rough, there I, I want to point out again for the next uh, the next match, you had Mercurio versus Slex. Now Slex is a guy who uh, has competed when when New Japan comes to Australia, he's one of the guys that's always on that card when New Japan or when um, when uh, the the World Series of wrestling, the international assault tours, uh, the same ones that brought Cardona to to Australia or in the past Brian Danielson. Uh, for years they've been bringing American talents to Australia. Slex is again is one of the go-to guys that's always going to be on that card. Um, He's very talented. So, uh, you know, his match with Mercurio actually became one of the few matches of Mercurio's that I've actually enjoyed uh, since Mercurio has joined the NWA roster. It was, a, it was a fun back and forth match. Slex was working to make Mercurio look good in this one, I thought. Um, of course, uh, the match uh, ended pretty much the way you'd expect it to. Um, Slex gets the victory there. What did you think of this one, DK? Now, I did like this one better, and I was able to get into it some. So uh, I kind of knew who was going to win it, but it didn't take away from, you know, actually enjoying the match. Were you disappointed that there was uh, that, that uh, Mercurio didn't come out with the ladies? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Does uh, Slex have a last name, and can it be Sluger? Uh, 
Uh, no and yes. Um, you know, and then I, you know what, I guess I skipped the other match that was on the card. Um, uh, well, must not be good in the match right now. DK's making a um, Sal Renaro face in, in the background. Uh, we we missed the uh, matchup between um, Aisha and um, and uh, Natalia Markova, and that was a pretty good match too. Um, they said that Aisha was uh, fa- fairly new to the ring, but had been internationally exposed. I guess wrestling in the United States uh, f- for several places. Um, really There's so much exposure in wrestling. Uh, not that kind of exposure, uh, but. I thought this was a really good match too, and it I don't really know. I saw Marco's outfit; she was pretty exposed. <laughs> That's by design, DK. Uh, she actually, you know, I, I, we talk about who could end up potentially becoming the person after Camille, and I really feel like Markova is making that case for herself. Um, this matchup was very hard hitting, uh, like most Markova matches are. She looked really good in the ring. I feel like she's had a steady improvement ever since she's been a part of the NWA, only getting better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the match is interrupted when Kenzie Page comes out and causes the disqualification for uh, for a victory for Natalia Markova. Um, I thought it was a fun match. What did you think, DK? I thought it would be a good way to describe it. I mean, uh, I like Markova and more than just her big booty. I mean, I actually like her, you know, work in the ring. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was enjoyable. I didn't fully understand the McKenzie part, but, you know. Yeah, I think they're just trying to set up something that maybe we'll get a Markova versus Kenzie match on the Australian tour. I mean, that's that's what I'm thinking. You want to hear something interesting, guys? Yes. No. You remember when you made me watch the Crockett Cup and I had to suffer through that because I thought we we're going to re- GK and everyone to review it, and he intentionally shut his phone off and turned his alarms off so he didn't have to do it. <laughs> um, I actually, I actually watched, and I did really enjoy the Markova versus Camille match, and I've become notice I'm calling her Markova and not um, Stifler's mom anymore. I've actually enjoyed that match, and I became a fan of Markova because of that. Wow. Well, Praise yeah. from Caesar. When she first came in, she was actually... Uh, when she first came in, she actually did pretty well. It wasn't until I like they moved her... When she was on USA, they booked her pretty well. Booked her pretty strong. And then they brought her to power and like jobbed her out. Yeah. It was... It was that very strange Billy booking. Well, you know, when, when Silas came on the podcast and he said this, uh, and, and it, it kind of makes me think maybe that's the, uh, that's the way Billy looks at everything is we're going to put, we're going to put obstacles in front of you until, um, until you can overcome them. And if you get oh, like, you know, look, the pairing between, through Billy Silas Mason and Poyle Demar, I think, you know, I, I've seen it in the chat. Even someone said, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Poyle, and that's fine. You know, she's not everyone's cup of tea. I think she's great. I think Jaden thinks she's great. I think DKM thinks she's great. Uh, the pairing with her and, and uh, Through Billy on paper makes absolutely no sense, but both 
individuals are so talented that they make it work. They made it work very well, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but that was an obstacle for Thrillbilly and, and, and maybe even Poyo, too, to make that work. And, okay, you made that work. Now let's elevate you. Let's put you somewhere else. And I think maybe with Markova, when she debuted, like, look, you got to be better than just a, you know, a nice set of eyes and, 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 and being able to, to compete. And so maybe they put her in those obstacles, those opportunities, those matches where she would lose. And could she still get over? Could she still get the crowd behind her? Could she still? Very counterproductive. They got over despite the booking. That shouldn't, that's counterproductive. You should get over because of the booking or you are over and the booking accentuates your overness. Not, uh, we're going to screw you over, but your talent gets you over. And then a lot of times we'll punish you for getting, for, for not, not losing and getting under, like I, we wanted you to get that way. I mean, that's uh that's, that's a good point too. That's why I'm here. Well, yeah, yeah. It, isn't for, it isn't for watching power. I don't watch it. I tried once every once in a while. And then I get one, every time I seem to try something, I get one good week and then next two weeks ruin it for me. And I give up. That's kind of, I mean, but that's kind of how it is anyways. Um, the next match in, and DK is not here. So we'll just go ahead and move forward. Cause uh, time and Probably. everything else. Um, for you back. Yeah. Uh, then the, the main event of the night was this guy, uh, Kerry Morton, defending against the loose edge, Adam Brooks. Now, this might have been the best Kerry Morton match I've ever seen. And I give credit to both Kerry and Adam Brooks. Uh, I, I'm very familiar with Adam Brooks. He's He has wrestled. Again, we, we mentioned, oh, yeah, he's been in the United States. But Adam Brooks has actually toured most of the popular wrestling promotions in the United States. He's worked with promotions like The Crash in Tijuana. Uh, he's when he was here, he definitely took advantage of his time in North America and getting as much opportunity as he could. Uh, you when you mentioned diamonds in the rough, oh man, I wish Billy could had the kind of money to sign somebody like Adam Brooks and Slex to exclusive NWA deals because I think they would bring a lot to the table. Um, but this match was a lot, uh, was really fun for me because we got to see Carrie Morton in a match with somebody who's a worker, you know, a, a solid worker. And I'm not trying to take anything away from homicide. Uh, Cause I mean, I feel like this match would have been similar to if homicide had gotten a rematch at some point, but I also, this is where I give credit to Carrie Morton, which I know is not popular on this podcast, but Carrie Morton uh, has gotten so much better than where he was just even a couple of weeks ago. And I honestly feel like these tours of Australia, the tour in Mexico, and the fact that he's defending that title weekend and week out um, is really helping him to, to become a more complete performer. His promos, uh, even though that the pelvic hip thrusting isn't Jeremy's favorite, uh, I feel like the the uh, ability to get over, or not get over, but to get heat with the audience is not always easy. And he's managing to do that. And he's managing to have, you know, matches that maybe a year ago would have been, eh, that have actually been pretty good. So I, I was excited about this match. I thought it was a great match. Um, you know, Slex threw, or excuse me, uh, Adam Brooks threw everything at, uh, at Kerry Morton, but, you know, he ended up uh, stealing the victory in the end with his, uh, uh, 
that that uh, re- like reverse neckbreaker move that he does. Um, it was a fairly long match, and uh, again, I was something that I thought was was good for Kerry Morton. And I think it's good for the fans of the NWA to see Kerry Morton in a match where it's not it's not him, you know, just joking and jiving, but he actually had to go out there and work. I know you didn't see it, Jaden, but like, what is that? What do you think that does for a wrestler when they can have a match that kind of maybe puts them in an opportunity that they're not normally in where they have to step up a little bit? When in wrestling, there's a term and it's also a term in music and other things too, of getting your reps in. Yeah. And I think Kerry Morton's getting his reps in and working different people in different styles and different areas also helps sharpen your skills and get you to be better. That's another reason I really believe that the taping should be multiple places and they should bring in multiple talents to work with these guys and, you know, locally to try to get over. Um, but I, that's, it makes sense. And I also think now they should t- sign Slex and Adam Brooks and call them the thunder from down under <laughs> and make them a tag team and maybe have them feud with Silas and um, Alex Chamberlain or whatever his name is. Taylor. Yeah. Th- I mean, yeah. that would actually be a pretty good tag team um, for on both parts. Uh, DK, real quick. I wanted to point out what Mike said that uh, the match carry had in, uh, in uh, Tennessee for innovative pro with Sigmund was about the same caliber as his Australian match, about 20 minutes, good actual wrestling DK. I know you're not the biggest carry Morton fan, but what did you think of this match? Now, why would you say that Jay? Mm-hmm. Anyway, you're very vocal uh, about not liking Kerry Morton. I didn't. Even, I I invited the guy to come on the show the week that you're not going to be here. Honestly, and seriously, if I may be serious for a moment, you can uh, you try. I didn't. I thought it was a good match, and I do think Kerry's capable of having good matches. Uh, I just feel like. I just feel like he has a tendency to be sloppy. And there are sometimes when I feel like he kind of lets, I think he knows that to an extent he doesn't have to work as hard because of his name. And I think sometimes that shows. Hmm. And, uh, but for this particular one, maybe it helped being, uh, you know, away from his father, far enough away to where he had to, you know, be very reliant on himself. And so, yeah, I would say it's one of the better matches that he's put on, certainly for like a, a power show episode. And uh, speaking of Kerry Morton, he will be joining us next week on this podcast as we will be talking, uh, uh, you know, about what happens on Thursday, of course, with the bookings that are coming up and, and everything else dealing with Mexico. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And, uh, oh, oh, I didn't know that that was up there. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know that I had a photo of me and Carrie Morton in Mexico City together. That, that, that was in bad taste, and I, I should not have had that up there. And if I, if I could just figure out how to take this off the screen, I sure would because, gosh. So I'm glad weird. it's not the one with you on the donkey show. They don't have donkey shows in Mexico City, my friend. You have to go to TJ for that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I like DKM's just, just stone cold face there. 
See what I have to put up with. Well, I mean, what you look, look, I've said to myself that I'm going to take pictures when I'm in, when I, when I see wrestlers that, uh, you know, I respect and admire, I'm going to take pictures with them. And I, I noticed you know, didn't get one with Dave Dahl when you were in, in Glassboro. I, you know what? He, he, uh, he made himself unavailable to me. He was too busy, uh, you know, beating off all the women that were chasing him. <laughs> I have so many things that are going to get us demonetized that I was going to say. And I <laughs> you guys should be, you guys should be really happy that I didn't say any of the 30 things popping through my head. I mean, you should have though. I mean, how much trouble could you have gotten into? Right. This is me. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know how I don't get in more trouble. That's true. Uh, actually, I was just stalling so I could show off this picture of me with another former uh, NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion while I was in Mexico. Just so you guys know. Never heard of him. You've never heard of Rocky Romero? <laughs> yes. Just out of curiosity, does he still hold one of the historic he's, belts? I don't, I yeah, don't... he's still the historic uh, welterweight champion. Hmm. Is Rocky Romero a former junior heavyweight champion? Yes, he tech so so I know you're going uh, I know Black Tiger was <laughs> so here's the thing, right? He Romero was the one that won the junior heavyweight championship, but Black Tiger Mask was the one that took it to Japan. Okay, I I don't remember it that way. I cool. <laughs> he okay, now I'm gonna have to look it up. But yes, he beat I think it was uh I wanna say um Rocky Reynolds. No, yeah. that's not right. Jarrell Clark, right? No, he didn't beat Jarrell Clark. He beat the guy after Jarrell Clark. And I will tell you who oh, that was. Oh, Rocky. I'll tell you who that was in just a minute. Um, oh, great. Uh, give me just a second here. Uh, he beat Jason Rumble in Tennessee. Yeah, I was never a Jason fan. Off subject slightly. Um Logistics didn't work, but Jason Rumble was many a times worked to try to get into dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators. It's just timing and stuff didn't work out. The the son of the Boston bad boy, no? Yeah, ish. Uh oh, ish. If I remember, it's a same similar family relation as like the Andersons are related. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they yeah, were genuinely related. No, he's. I can't even remember what name he went by. Before. So, so just looking back at the junior world junior heavyweight championship, uh, I know you know I know you guys have been watching the NWA more consistently longer than I have, but uh, when it eventually came back after being part of the Triple Crown, Logan Kane was the first person to hold it. He would end up losing, or Vince Kaplack would win the title next. Tony Cozina would be your next champion, then Rockford 2000, back to Cozina, back to Caplack, then Rocky Reynolds, then Mike Thunder, then Lex Lovett, then Jason Rumble, then Reynolds again, then Rumble again, then Reynolds again, then Jimmy Rave, the late Jimmy Rave, then Star, then Jimmy Rave again, then Brother Love, then Reynolds, then Draven, then Jarrell Clark. And that's when I started watching the NWA on a more consistent basis. Then Rumble, then Black Tiger, Tiger Mask, Quackenbush, Classic. Douglas, Owens, Kincaid, Owens, Morton, Ricky, Owens, Jushin Liger, Steve Anthony, Tiger Mask 2, Steve Anthony, John Saxon, Eric Andrews, Mr. 
And then Barrett Brown uh, before Homicide and Kerry Morton of the modern era. Mr. Replica. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm calling him from now on. Well, gentlemen, that was fun. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast this week. We, uh, we're we're going to cut it a little bit early tonight, uh, but that's okay. We covered a lot of material. Um, there won't be a test next week, but uh, we will have an interview with Mr. Kerry Morton. And I hope you guys uh, will uh, understand that Mr. DKM is uh, refusing to come on the podcast next week. And as well, Jaden. I'm sorry, G DK, go ahead. I said I'd rather spend time in a cornfield. <laughs> uh, Jaden, what were you going to say? Well, first of all, I, I understand why DK wants to uh, spend so much time in cornfield. There's corn there, and it's a big lump of knob that has the juice. It has the juice. I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. And you don't watch TikTok. You watch it on Instagram later. Yes, I'm a man. I do not. I'm a, an adult. Well, I'm definitely not an adult. I don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm old. So as an old person, I watch TikTok like an old. I mean, I watch things on, on Instagram two weeks after they show up on TikTok like a real old person. Yeah, well, I can beat, I can beat that. I watch stuff on Facebook about five weeks after they're on Instagram. I just watch stuff on Pinterest. Pinterest. <laughs> Speaking of new uh, new streaming services um, or new social medias, uh, tonight's episode uh, was supposed to air also on our Kick channel. It did not, but uh, going forward, uh, we will now be streaming on both. Did you forget to hit play? No, I guess I, I I thought I clicked on the the icon and it didn't it didn't go through. So. Um, but we'll 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 be on Kick as well, so you guys can check us out there. Uh, also, we are here. Mike, I'm not going to read this out loud. You guys can read this to yourself. Okay. Well, he's not wrong. Luthez says that his TV is square and weighs 500 pounds. He outdid you all. Do you have the RCA cables that you have to plug your DVD player into? DK still has the uh, Betamax. What are you talking about? Did did either of you guys own a, a laser disc? I yeah. did not, but I I played with one in television tech. Okay. I had did a TV own, tech class had a, a laser disc. Did you own one, DK? I owned a laser disc. Yes. My my one of my best friends in high school. We had like three movies too. Well, weren't they like a hundred bucks a movie? Something like that. Uh, I remember going to uh, my aunt and uncle's cousins, and this was like when laser disc technology was really, really, really new. And they they also had like four movies or whatever, and one of them was the black hole. The black hole. Yeah, the fact that you don't know it says a lot. It was a very slow moving, laborious movie. And why anybody would think they needed to buy that in the dollar bin section would be amazing, let alone for the cost that Laserdisc were back then. I was just curious why the records were silver. <laughs> they were silver. Uh, they were, wasn't it like the uh, same material as a CD? Later, yeah, uh, kind of. 
it was shinier and it was more metallic and it was thicker, but it was similar. They were pretty thick. That that is <laughs> so hard. Absolutely, I don't even know how to do anything with those. All right, and then Jeremy is doing the right thing by asking us to have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week for the pre-party. And Jeremy's the, uh, just mad that that uh, that uh, Kerry Morton stole his his hip thrusting gimmick. <laughs> we will be back next uh, next Thursday with Kerry Morton, of course. Uh, Tuesday, I do the pre-party, and hopefully, there's some more Australian footage for us to watch together. I also think that uh, the other alliance guys. They'll be talking about United Wrestling Network, some fantasy booking with Dave Scooby. And, uh, of course, uh, hopefully they'll be talking about something with the NWA happening this weekend. I don't know if there's a USA or not. And uh, shout out to our uh, friend of the show, Raluca Wood, the Raluchador. We hope you get better soon. Uh, she is ill, and, uh, well, we just hope she feels better soon. So, yeah, it's my, I heard she watched the uh, match on YouTube of Daredevil Dave Dahl and – um, Dylan Mesh versus Vinny the Fixer and Fala Ba, and just watching Dave Dahl made her very, very ill. I'm sorry. Just the thought of that match makes me ill. Good night, everybody. We'll see you at the Nebraska. Stay on the line, guys. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.